What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to BGN Radio with Brandon Lee Gowton and Jimmy Kemsky. What's going on, everybody? This is BJ and Radio, episode number 232. With me, as always, is Brandon Lee Gowden of BleederUnation.com. I am Jimmy Kemsky from PhillyVoice.com. We are coming off a weekend of Eagles football in which they played practice squad players, essentially. Just got that game out of the way uh, against the Cowboys. The real main event for the Eagles was Sunday with other uh, NFL action uh, around the league where we got to figure out where the Eagles draft picks notably the three first-round draft picks were going to land in the 2022 NFL Draft. We found out who their 2022 opponents are going to be. And, of course, we found out who their first-round playoff opponent was going to be. And that, of course, is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the wildcard round down in Tampa. Eagles will have a chance to uh, get some revenge on their earlier Week 6 loss this season as well as the 20 excuse me 2002 NFC Championship game Tom Brady will looking for be looking for a little revenge from his loss when he was bereft on the turf against the Eagles in Super Bowl 52 Brandon what's going on buddy Jimmy we're here it's the most juiced podcast of the season for the Eagles it's a playoff preview podcast we don't necessarily know how many more we'll be getting this offseason, uh, but we at least have this one, so we're here for it. We're excited. We're pumped up. Eagles fans are pumped up too, Jimmy, and you know what is the perfect thing to eat when you're pumped up is Righteous Felon Craft Turkey, <laughs> which you can go and get by going to RighteousFelon.com and using discount code BGN15 for 15% off, but we don't have time for any more plugging than that right now, Jimmy, because we have a whole lot to get into with today's pod, obviously some of the Indeed. topics you mentioned, but I think the perfect place to start is the matchup. I mean, isn't that what everyone cares about? We haven't talked much about matchups this year because it, I mean, we did earlier in the season, but more recently it was just like, yeah, they got to beat Garrett Gilbert or else, <laughs> you know, like, you know, they just get get just die and go away. Eagles or you got to beat, you know, Jake Fromm and, and Mike Glennon. Like there wasn't much to those matchups, but there's a lot going on this week. Of course, with a Tampa Bay Buccaneers offense, number one pass offense, I believe, uh, in the NFL. But, of course, they're led by Mr. Tom Brady, uh, mm. formerly had, uh, in my opinion, the best trio of wide receivers in the NFL in Mike Evans, in Chris Godwin, and Antonio Brown. Chris Godwin hasn't torn ACL. And now Antonio Brown, uh, in case you live in a cave, uh, certainly if you're listening to this podcast, you're a hardcore enough football fan where you already saw the Antonio Brown incident uh, in New Jersey against the Jets where he took us took his clothes off and he ran off the field and uh, was released by the Buccaneers. So they're not quite as scary uh, as they were a few weeks ago. Still have a great offensive line, uh, still have great tight ends, 
decent enough running game and a lot of very good players littered throughout their defense. So I think we'll start sort of not necessarily with matchups, but uh, we'll start with, you know, what about the Buccaneers concerns you the most, Brandon? I think the correct answer for me and for everyone is Tom Brady. And not only Tom Brady, but Tom I guess Brady. Tom Brady aside is uh, where I go with that. Okay, but I mean him. Then it's you know on the Eagles side, uh, you know it's it's Jonathan Gannon. It's good quarterbacks mm-hmm. against Jonathan Gannon, as we've right, talked about right. all year. Is and you you know you posted these splits recently, I believe, on Twitter, and we've talked about it at length. It's not people, it's not something new, but we all know that like the Eagles have not only, and I always like to stress, it's not only that. Okay, they've had some bad games or not amazing games against these quarterbacks. I mean, they've been destroyed by these quarterbacks, at least in terms of the efficiency and, you know, the completion percentage, you know, five of these quarterbacks going over 80%, which Mm -hmm. is just nuts. So um, it's funny because Johnny Page, uh, who contributes to BGN, obviously does a great job, uh, did an all 22 preview of the Bucks this week. And he kind of found himself like going down this rabbit hole of just like all these different things that the Bucks do well and, and how, and, just how unstoppable they kind of are. And I think he kind of came to the conclusion. It's just like, it's throw your hands up. And it's like, I don't even know what the Eagles necessarily should do. And he went through like, you know, the, the film of the saints, you know, shutting down uh, the bucks most recently and, and, you know, holding them to a shutout and all that too. And Mm -hmm. it's not like there are, you know, magical answers there that you see that you're just like, Oh, the Eagles just have to copy that real simple. And it's done. And obviously um, you're, it gets Tom Brady. So there is no, you know, magical thing you can do and at least easily. Obviously, there are some key things that you would ideally like to get done. But, you know, we talk about you need to get interior pressure. Well, okay, yes, but it's kind of harder to do when you have the quarterback who gets rid of the ball like the second quickest time in the NFL. Like he's going to get rid of the ball and you're not even going to give him a ton of time uh, to be able to rush him. So to me, uh, it's concerning. The I mean, it is the inevitability of Tom Brady. That is the most concerning thing. I know you said Tom Brady aside, but it like it's it's it, and even if you take him out, like okay, let's say Tom Brady kind of just plays an average game. Well, they still have a lot of weapons even with those guys gone. Yeah, I even uh, – so during Jonathan Gannon's press conference, I asked him about, you know, what, what's with these other receivers that they have. You know, we know all about Mike Evans. Of course, Godwin and Brown are going to be out. But what about like Tyler Johnson and um, Scott Miller and uh, whoever? I can't, think, I can't think of their names off the top of my head. But anyway, what, what about those guys? And he was just like you – know, he didn't really care about any of that. He was basically mm. just – I would say from a global – I'll read what he said. From a global offensive perspective – the timing of the routes are very good. The distribution of their of their concepts is very good. The ball comes out extremely fast. It's on time in the passing game. You know, you have to have, you know, all 11 guys executing at a high level, and that's what they do. Um, you know, whoever's out there for him, they all execute at a high level. Offensive line's very good. They have a lot of continuity. I think that's something that gets lost too. I'm, I'm speaking for myself here. Like the Eagles were so good that Super Bowl year because they had so much offensive line continuity, uh, guys that have just played together for for an excessive long time. And uh, the Buccaneers have that. Uh, and then and then he said, Gannon says, you know, Tom is on the same page with all the receivers and the backs. They know how to adjust their routes based off coverage. Um, you know, when, when they call certain concepts, concepts, the spacing is, is spot on. The timing is spot on. They just execute at a very high level. Technique is within that is very good. So it's not just necessarily that they have all these star players. It, it, it's just that they, they're very well coached. They know exactly what they're doing on offense and they're led by 
the best player in the history of the NFL. So like, it's just a really daunting task for, uh, uh, you know, any defense to, to try to shut them down. And, uh, I think, um, you know, you brought up the, the Saints who, you know, maybe the one team that really did have, you know, a lot of success against, uh, the Buccaneers offense this year. Um, and I, I agree with, with Johnny. I don't think there was any obvious answers on exactly how to shut them down. And for me, and I think for you as well, I think the toughest matchup for the Eagles in this game, uh, their defense against uh, the Buccaneers, Tom Brady aside, is who's going to cover Rob Gonkowski? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It's a great question. Um, maybe no one in terms of effectively, <laughs> because uh, we very much saw how, and maybe the Eagles kind of do what they did back in the Super Bowl uh, once upon a time, where they kind of just threw a bunch of different stuff at Gronk. You know, there was like Corey Graham on Gronk at one point, and that didn't go so Mills. well. And then like Ronald Darby and Jalen Mills, and they kind of like mixed things up. And I think, and I think honestly, that might be what they have to do in this game and like see what works. Like Avante Maddox obviously might have the speed, you know, does have the speed to cover him, but sure. the physicality is an issue. Uh, Anthony Harris, maybe, but like, I don't know. He's been invisible or not really an impact player for most of the season. Rodney McLeod has kind of been coming on, but I don't know. There, I, I, and, you know, more of a free safety. And so I, I just don't think they're in the linebackers. I mean, you, Alex Singleton on, on ground. No, um, no. TJ Edwards, <laughs> like can't, doesn't have obviously the physical tools. I would trust him to kind of know where to be and not get lost. Um, you know, have the, the right positioning and everything. Um, there's, but there's no great answer, right? I think that's, that's the problem. You probably got to bracket them. Um, yeah. You, you're helped in that Brown and Godwin aren't there to, to hurt you if you if you allocate too many resources to Gronk. So mm-hmm. that's helpful. You know, I brought up Steven Nelson in my article where, like, you mentioned Maddox. Maddox is 5'9". Gronk yeah. is, what, like 6'6"? Six, six? <laughs> like, yeah, it's tough. Steven Nelson's only 5'11", but at least it's not as drastic. Mm-hmm. So I, don't, I don't know. I, but I think we're only talking about man coverage there, but... I think the the risk in playing zone against a guy like Tom Brady is just going to pick it apart. So I think at some point you're going to have to play man coverage against that offense, and it's going to be you know difficult to figure out a way to to you know cover Gronkowski. Um, Would you move Slay onto him if you're just getting like killed by him? Yeah. So uh, maybe. (laughs) I think uh, if you move Slay onto him, though. Then yeah. you know Mike Evans is just going to eat you up. Then instead, sure, so, like, I know it's, it's tough. It's, but... it's sort of pick your poison, and even like Evans against Slay is not a great matchup for the Eagles either. Like Slay is, you know, in my opinion, their best defender this year. Pe- defender, period. Not not cornerback, not defensive back. Their best defender, and um, above Hargrave. Yeah, I'd say so. Hargrave, okay. you know, early season Hargrave, no, but when you look at yeah. the season in, in in the hole, I would say Slay had the better year. Um, but Slay struggles, or at least he did struggle against two receivers. And I think we brought this up in the last podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the, the two guys that really gave him trouble in 2020 were Devontae Adams and DK Metcalf, who are, you know, bigger, more physical receivers. And that's what Mike Evans is. And he has speed on top of it, wins contested catches, uh, you know, makes plays down the field. That dude has been in the league eight years, thousand plus yards every single year of his career, which is really remarkable. And I think he's yeah. sort of. In, in a weird way, he's like a really underrated receiver in the NFL. Like when you talk about like the top five receivers in the NFL, he rarely ever, ever gets mentioned in that group. And I think he's probably there. Or like the best. Like you're just talking about like, you know, who is the best? I mean, he's, he's, he's he could, you could argue the case for him. Like he, he could be number one. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, he's really good. I've, I've caught a couple bucks games this year and kind of just reminded of how good he is just in terms of, 
uh, even if it's not the perfect throw from Tom Brady, which it often yes. is. I mean, he's, like you said, he's just so big, he can go up and get it. And you could you could play perfect coverage on him. And it doesn't matter because he's just going to go up and get the ball. Um, so that's really tough. And same thing with Gronk sometimes too, which is <laughs> it's just really challenging. So, um, so yeah, obviously, you know, wouldn't be ideal if you had to move Slay off. And I don't expect them to do that, but I think it's kind of just like, it might be kind of a throw the kitchen sink thing at Gronk, see what like kind of works. And on a whole, I think from this defense, um, I mean, we know they can't sit back last, like they did last time, right? Like Jonathan Gannon did early in the yeah. year. Uh, they just like, that's like, they can't, they can't possibly think that is the best way to win because I know Jonathan Gannon wants to take away the big play. And I know, as you pointed out, the Bucks are pretty good at hitting on the big play, mm-hmm. but I feel like at some point, if the Eagles are going to win this game, I feel like at some point, um, I don't know. It's about employing the same exact strategy that Jim Schwartz had. But remember at the end of the game in the Super Bowl where Jim says to Doug, he's like, I'm going to like get you the ball back either, like, either one way. One either, way like, or they're the gonna other. Score. They're going to score yeah. or we're going to take or, it away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think they're like, I don't think you can do that necessarily all game long, but I think there has to come. You have to kind of like be selective and pick your spots on that. And honestly, I think that that's the way you shut down Tom Brady is like there has to be you you have to capitalize. And I know this sounds maybe you know obvious or whatever, but maybe there's a, a look you're bringing um, where, you know, it's simulated pressure as you know, Mark Schofield talked about on the pod this week with Rachel. And it's like it's like one rep where he's kind of, you know, you're not even like, full, like fully confusing him because it's Tom Brady, but like he's a little like thrown off or whatever and a pass gets tipped and you have to pick that pass. Like you you can't live right, in this game right, right. with like like a big missed opportunity. Like you're just not. You're not going to win the game if you don't do if if you like miss an opportunity to recover a strip sack somehow or, you know, miss an opportunity to pick off a ball that gets tipped into the air. Like if if you don't make that play, then I think you lost the game. I think that's kind of what it comes down to. You kind of have to hope that like you can or maybe Darius Slay like just makes an incredible play at one point, mm-hmm. like a really just incredible leaping pick or something like like I think that's the difference. I think that's how you stop him. And those aren't things like that are super in your control and you can count on, but I think that's the answer. Did the Eagles win the Super Bowl if the ball doesn't just pop up so cleanly right into Derek Barnett's hands and the Patriots recover that? I mean, the Patriots were absolutely scoring there. That is the only point. <laughs> I mean, they were because they hadn't punted the whole game. Like, there's no reason to believe they were not going to score there. Um, that was the only moment, too. Like, from the moment the Eagles had clearly won the NFC Championship game and were going to win that game, I believe they're going to win the Super Bowl. I had no doubt about it. I wasn't even like a little bit unsure about it. Because I just was like, I'm, and it's not even because to me it was never about who they were playing. It was like, this team is really good. Doesn't matter who they play, they're going to beat them. Um, but at that point, when they had gone down, I was like, oh crap, because that was the point where it, just, it looked like they were going to lose because the the Patriots were unstoppable. But of course, Brandon Graham, BLG came through and made the play and a very fortuitous bounce. Not like to say the Eagles didn't deserve it, but you know, a, a very nice bounce for the Eagles to land in Derek Barnett's hands. Uh, anyway. Uh, and that, I think that's why you got that noise out of Chris Collinsworth because it was like whoa. such a surprise. That it, it went, Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> is Chris Collinsworth, uh, uh, what's his name? Um, Tim, uh, why can't I think of his last name from Home Improvement? Um, oh, uh, Tim Allen. Tim yeah. Allen. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like, yeah, I feel like there's something there. I feel like they're the same person somehow. Okay. Um, anyway. <laughs> All right. So, anything else on the Bucks' offense? Yeah, I mean, I, I'll just touch on their offensive line too, which is, you, you know, really 
a very good group. Uh, Tristan Wirfs uh, at right guard, really young player, you know, really uh, special in terms of his size and athleticism. Um, and then Donovan Smith is their left tackle, you know, not quite as good over there. But you know, the the edge rushers almost don't matter as much against Tom Brady because it's so hard to get to him if, if you're an edge rusher because he just gets the ball out so quickly. It's the three guys on the interior that are, you know, I wouldn't say they're susceptible because they're all very good too. Like uh, from left guard center to right guard, you have Ali Marpet, uh, Ryan Jensen, and Alex Kappa. All three of those guys are scrappers from like small schools. Like Marpet went to, um, uh, oh man, what's that? Uh, Hobart. Hobart. That's it. Jensen went to uh, Colorado State Pueblo. Kappa went to Humboldt State. So you have these three small school guys who, you know, sort of had to punch their own ticket in the NFL. Um, and, and they're starters now and, and all three of them for the, for this Super Bowl reigning Tampa Bay Bucks team. And they're very good in the run game, but you can beat them sometimes uh, with the pass rush. And if there's a spot where the Eagles, you know, really have to make a play in this game, it's with Fletcher Cox and Javon Hargrave. Like those guys really have to show up in this game because if there is, you know, a way that you can force Tom Brady into a mistake or like you said, you get a tipped pass or just something where it's just a little bit off and there's an opportunity maybe in the back seven, it's right in his face. So he, he like, like, you know, Drew Brees, um, you know, like a lot of the elite quarterbacks in the NFL, if you get pressure up the middle, right in their face, then that's where you can disrupt those guys. So the Eagles have a lot of resources put into that defensive tackle position. And this is it. This is the game where you need those guys to, to sort of, um, you know, pay off on that investment. Yeah, and that's funny because I brought up like the tip pass, the mistake thing. I mean, that might not even be good enough to be clear because Tom Brady mm -hmm. did have a mistake like that in the first game where I think he wasn't on the same page with, I think it might have been AB, and he just overthrew the pass or whatever it was, you know, miscommunication. And I think that was when Anthony Harris had his only pick of the season. And they actually had two picks in that game. So one of them was by okay. Harris and he, he, and he pitched it to Slay. And the other yes, one was by Marcus Epps, was that one. and it didn't count. They they overturned it on the review. He caught that pass. Like, that was a pick. That's right. Yeah, you're right about they that. They picked yeah. him twice, and it didn't count the second one. So I don't know if that was the first one or the second one, but for whatever reason, they they overturned that. I thought that was a bad call. I forgot about that. That's a good point. Um, uh, I think it's worth, it's worth mentioning Leonard Fournette here. Um, he potentially is coming back for this game. He's activated. I remember he was active. Um against the Eagles, especially as a checkdown option. He had six catches for 46 mm -hmm. yards in that game. Like he wasn't like crushing the Eagles in terms of like big plays down the field or whatever, but like he kind of kept like the chains moving and everything with that soft defense, especially. Um, so that's a lot of tackles Eagles. in that game. Broke a lot of tackles, also had 81 rushing yards, only had um, 3.7 yards per carry. So it wasn't super efficient, but still, like, as a volume player, the Eagles were, or the Bucks were kind of able to, to lean on him in that game. Um, and it looks like he might be back. Ronald Jones will not be playing, sounds like, this week. Um, he did not practice on Wednesday. Bruce Arians, I think, said he was doubtful. Um, so what about the Eagles encourages us the most? Like flipping it around from the concerns to, to the thing, encouragement. Uh, before we get to that, I did want to just touch on Fournette real quick because I that's uh, it's good that you brought him up. Like if they had just made tackles on him, they could have held him to a really bad day. And they yeah. had a better chance to get the Buccaneers off the field uh, more than they did. But he broke a lot of tackles and, you know, put them in you know decent position when they gave him the ball on first down. And he picked up, you know, a bunch of first downs on third down, like on just short carries, but he broke tackles to, to make those plays. And all those passes were all just like little dump downs 
where he mm-hmm. was making plays after the catch. And uh, the, the the Eagles defensive backs, you know, did just did a bad, they just did a bad job tackling him. And Gannon actually mentioned that on his own. He wasn't asked about their tackling or anything like that, but he said um, he, he was talking about where the Eagles defense has improved as the season has gone along. And he said, for the most part, I think we've tackled pretty well this year. And I would agree with that. But he said in that game, we did not tackle well. And we have to tackle better in this game. And, and Fournette was really the guy. Uh, did you actually rewatch the, the Eagles Bucks game this week? I watched it a hundred times to me. I was grinding the tape, <laughs> pouring the coffee. Um, I watched it on condensed mode uh, in forty okay. minutes on uh, on uh, well, I was on the treadmill. But they, uh, yeah, the, the the all the missed tackles basically were against four. I think there were like double digit missed tackles, in my opinion, uh, on him in that game. And they have to do a better. And I think they will do a much better job tackling him. So I think that's sort of a check mark in Eagles' favor in, in terms of like things that you, that uh, we'll look at and. and in terms of comparing their week six game to this upcoming matchup. So uh, anyway, your question was what, a, what encourages us the most uh, for the Eagles in this game yeah. going forward. And uh, for me, it's that, I mean, back then they weren't running the ball. <laughs> like in weren't even first, attempting it <laughs> in the first half of that game. They ran it um, uh, one time. Miles Sanders got, the, got one carry. In the first half of that game, they actually ran the ball a decent amount in the second half, and they were very effective with it in the second half when they ran the ball. And this was actually the game that it was the last game that they went into a game without the run game being a heavy part of the game plan. Because if you remember, while the Raiders game was sort of the like the low point of the season, they did you know, want to run the ball in that game. But Miles Sanders got hurt uh, in like the first quarter, I think, of that game. So they fumbled too, right? Yeah, so they wound up not running it as much yeah. uh, as they as they were hoping to in that game. But this was the last game that they went in with a game plan to to you know not run the ball that much. Um, and we saw like, the results of of them not running the ball much, you know, because they started the season two and four. Uh, so you know, as the season progressed, obviously, as we saw, they became uh, the most run heavy team in the NFL. Wound up being the number one run, rushing offense in the NFL. So. The one thing that you and I had touched on when we were looking at, you know, the Eagles' most desirable, least desirable potential playoff opponents was with the Buccaneers, where Todd Bowles, the defensive coordinator, what he wants to do first and foremost, like Jim Schwartz did with the Eagles, was shut down the opposing team's, you know, run game and then turn them one-dimensional and then they become much easier to defend. Um, They'll still do that in this game, of course, but I think the Eagles can run the ball on this team anyway, like they did against the Saints. Uh, week, whatever that was, 12, 13 saints were the number one rushing defense in the NFL, uh, at the time. And the Eagles ran for what, 200 something yards against them. So I, I don't think there's a, there's a defense in the NFL that can completely shut down the Eagles rushing attack. And I think the Eagles are going to come out and run it and they're going to try to slow this game down, um, turn it, turn it into a, have this still be a game in the fourth quarter. And then hopefully along the way, there's some kind of, you know, big play, uh, we'll get to the weather in this game too, uh, as well, because I think that's going to be maybe a little bit of a factor, but maybe they get a play of, you know, a bounce that goes their way and, uh, you know, they can, they can win this game in the fourth quarter, but that's what I'd be most encouraged by is their ability to run the ball and their willingness to stick through it, stick to it rather, uh, through the, the second half of the season. I think to your point, like it changes the equation of the game. Like it's a different dynamic. It's it's a reason mm-hmm. to believe that this is not going to be the same exact game as last time because it's a whole different approach, right? Um, so I definitely think that's big. And yeah, the Bucks defense, uh, run defense is kind of 
I think, a little overrated from a standpoint of, or at least it's different. Like earlier in the year when the Eagles were going into that matchup, as you mentioned, it was the number one run defense. But now Mm -hmm. if you look at like DVOA and you look at like opponent yards per rushing attempt, it's like 13th, 12th, like, you know, so it's not a bad run defense. Yeah. 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 But it's not like, you know, an elite run defense. And as you mentioned with the Saints, like we saw what the Eagles did to that. So uh, I think that's the correct answer. Kind of just like they were number one in DVOA in 2019 and 2020. So this year they fell off from I mean, they were elite run defense the last two years, but they fell off from that this year. And I think you had a really good point again, um, really giving you a lot of credit here. Um, Maybe I have to (laughs) dial back on that. But uh, like just playing into Dodd Bowles, Bowles' hand. Like, he wants, he wanted the Eagles to not <laughs> yes. run the ball. And then they just obliged yeah. and, like, did that. <laughs> um, so uh, just, you know, going into it and actually trying to do it should maybe make a difference. And obviously, you know, we'll see if the Bucks really sell out to stop it and if they can do that and then how the Eagles might need to pivot from there. But maybe they don't need to pivot because <laughs> let's just see, you know, how it works first. So I think that's um, a good answer by you. I would say uh, one of the things for me, um, since I don't want to just repeat that answer, is like, looking at the Bucks' schedule here down the stretch. Okay, so these are their their final, um, let's say, five games here. Like they beat the Bills mm-hmm. in that weird overtime game where Mac Jones will be. Or wait, no, sorry, I'm thinking you know, I totally got Tom Brady confused because I thought he was still in the Patriots. Uh, bad luck by me. Um, they beat the Bills in overtime. Okay. Um, the game they were smoking was, the Bills early in that game. The Bills made like a really impressive comeback, almost beat them. Yeah, and that game was in Tampa. Okay, so it's at home. Then mm-hmm. they they get blo- they not get blown out, but they get <laughs> destroyed in terms of like their offense couldn't do anything against the Saints. And they they had mm-hmm. some players hurt in that game, like during the game, obviously. But they also weren't looking good before that point. And uh, so, you know, I think the injuries certainly didn't help them, but that was still looking like a bad offensive performance anyway. Uh, and then they blew out the Panthers. Dennis Allen on the uh, sideline during that game. Oh, yes, or that's near, right. Near the end yeah. of that game. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then they blew out the Panthers twice in their final two games. And the Panthers, I think, like I had them 31st in my final power rankings. They're just <laughs> right. like, they're They're waiting, terrible. They were going they're to Cabo. And then the Jets were beating them in that Antonio Brown game. <laughs> yes. And they came back to beat the Jets. And the Jets start stink. The Jets are terrible. Um, so like they're not invulnerable. And they really weren't last year, too, in the playoffs. You know, they like it wasn't kind of uneasy when they beat Washington. I don't think uh-huh. they were ever like in serious jeopardy of losing that. Like they were never gonna lose that game in my mind. But you know, it was uncomfortable for them uh against Taylor Heineke, too, who had like just come in, I think, for his first start. That was I'm his not first mistaken. start, yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah, like an XFL backup. So there was that. And then, uh, you know, they go on uh, elsewhere in the playoffs. Tom Brady throws multiple, what do you throw, three picks against the Packers, and they still won. But, like, mm-hmm. point being here, um, and then they, they beat, uh, like, just the broken down version of Drew Brees, who was clearly at the end of his rope and, like, couldn't throw, like, basically, like, Ben Roethlisberger kind of right now, like, couldn't even throw a pass beyond, like, five yards. Um, so... You know, they're while they're obviously really good, they're not like invincible. They're not like this immortal team. They're they're beatable. Um so sure. I kinda look at that and uh and I think, you know, combined with the run game, like I think the Eagles have a chance. I don't I think it's silly to me to be like the Eagles have no chance in this game. You know, they're the seventh seed. The Bucks are the reigning Super Bowl champions, it's Tom Brady. I would say that's encouraging to me. And obviously too, just the underdog angle of everything and having that going for them. And we saw how that served this team well. I don't know. You know, if Nick Sirianni and the players are going to feed into that as much, but uh, all those kind of intangible things to me, I guess, kind of matter. Um, why don't we take a break here, Jimmy, okay. before we get into three more questions that we have about this matchup and then some of the other stuff we have in this pod. It's a, it's a marathon pod. It's a long one. It's the playoff 
preview pod. There has to be a lot of juice for this. So uh, bear with us today. Uh, it's extra content. So maybe, you know, you like it. That would be cool. Um, but before we go to break, I'll tell you really quickly about Righteous Felon Craft Jerky. It's the perfect snack for you to be eating during the playoffs. You're watching from your couch or your tailgate, wherever you are, from the stadium, whatever. I, I guess you can't bring it into the stadium. But um, any case, uh, you should be eating in. Righteous Felon Craft Jerky. It is the snack that the wild card round playoff Philadelphia Eagles eat themselves at the NovaCare uh, complex. And that is not a lie. It is available for the players uh, <laughs> after, you know, they work out and everything and, and it's there for them to snack on. So if you like the Eagles, which you presumably do by listening to this podcast, unless you're hate listening to the podcast, in which case, um, well, you, well, you know, the listens, the downloads count all the same. Uh, and maybe it's good for you too. Write this felon.com discount B code BGN15. That's BGN15 at RighteousFelon.com. Same discount code works at WildNaturePet.com for 15% off dog treats. Jimmy. Back after this. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Back here on BGN Radio, episode 232, I Care. Jimmy, uh, the final three questions I had for this matchup, and this one kind of plays off of the last one. What's different about this from last time? And obviously, you know, we we talked about the run game, so I'm not kind of mm-hmm. leaning on that as much as, I guess, you know, Nick Sirianni, uh, so I'm leading you here, said that Jalen Hurts is significantly, quote-unquote, different from the last time these two teams played um, and I kind of want to get your confidence in both him, Jalen Hurts, and Nick Sirianni in this matchup. Well, they're both better. I mean, Sirianni is, I would say, I wouldn't say Hurts is significantly better. I would say Sirianni is significantly better because his game plans the first six games of the, of the of the year were, I mean, f- for a team that, you know, if, if they want, if they really wanted to win as many games as possible this season, the game plans didn't make any sense, in my opinion. Like the Dallas game, week three, for example, they basically wanted to get into a shootout with Dallas because they thought that Dallas was going to put a lot of points on the board. So what was their answer to that? Not run the ball and shorten the game, but try to air it out and try to match points with them, which is mind-blowing on you know the strategy there. And I, you know, I, I think that uh, their personnel clearly dictated that they should be a run-heavy team, and eventually they figured that out. But it took six weeks. Now, we don't know if they just didn't figure that out on their own or if they sort of wanted to see what Jalen Hurts would look like in 
you know, sort of the offense that they kind of wanted to be in our, you know, in, in our perception. Uh, Jeffrey Lurie, of course, uh, having been on record many times over saying that this is a passing league and they want to be a passing team and all that. And, um, you know, I, I don't know how much that factored in to their game plans the first six weeks of the season, but certainly once they figured out that they are a run-heavy team, then they started playing far, far better than they did early in the season. So Nick Sirianni, significantly better. John Hurts, certainly better. Um, you know, I think heading into the season, our questions about him were um, accuracy, first and foremost, and then his ability to, you know, uh, go through progressions, uh, have total command of the offense. And I think he's been sort of up and down um, in both of those areas. I think there, the, there, there's been more improvement in terms of um, the the mental side of the game, like reading defenses, going through progressions, um, you know, getting it to the right players, uh, getting getting it to them on time, uh, you know, pulling the trigger on on open players that are there. That's gotten better as the season has gone along. Still not, a, you know, still not a finished product there. Accuracy has kind of come along a little bit more slowly, but obviously what he brings to this offense is his running ability. Uh, but yeah, I, I trust him certainly a lot more now than I did then. The turnovers are down. You know, the, he's done a pretty good job overall of protecting the football. So uh, yeah, I, I think certainly that he is better, but Nick Sirianni is, is significantly better. So if I have to kind of put the things I'm confident in with Jalen Hurts, it would be the intangibles aspect. It would be like, yep. I, don't, I don't think he's going to wilt at all in this game in a big oh, moment and like and yeah. crumble. I'm like a certain former Eagles quarterback <laughs> that we'll get to. Um, I don't, I don't like worry about that at all. I don't, like he, he has all of that. I don't worry about his mobility a ton, especially I think coming off of this week of rest seemed you know, Nick Sirianni for whatever it's worth said that, you know, did, good for him and even in the washington full participant game, in practice this week by the way full participant in practice yeah. and even in the, the last game he played in washington like he had a big run in that game where he kind of looked okay like that looked pretty good looks kind of healthy there so um I, th- there's that and I, if i'm not mistaken the bucks are kind of there have been a little bit more susceptible to giving up yards to mobile quarterbacks so uh, the eagles have that going for them mm-hmm. um what I do, and then the turnovers is another thing. I don't think like Jalen Hurts is going to come into this game and you know like throw three picks. Like I don't, I don't really worry about any of that. What I do worry about is if the Eagles are in a spot where the Bucks are kind of shutting down the run and bottling mm-hmm. things up, and the Bucks are really challenging him to throw the ball and carry the team with his arm, then I do have some questions about that. And especially when it comes to one of the biggest issues I think we saw in the Chargers game. And kind of talking about how I did with the defense, like if you have a chance to make a pick and you drop that, that could be the game. Well, if Jalen Hurts has a chance to hit someone deep down the field like he did again the Chargers game and he left some big plays on the field, well, that could be the difference in the game. So uh, I I worry about that. That's what I don't have a lot of confidence in him. It's Again, it's not making the killer mistake. It's more about like not taking full advantage of all the opportunities that are going to be there, and that could be really costly. And again, it doesn't show up in the box score, but... Um, you see it in the game and it kind of reminds me to take it back to another quarterback, uh, Nick Foles, who I very much had the stance in that, like his first playoff game against the saints. Everyone talks about, Oh, he left the field with the lead. He did, but there were also a number of plays in that game. I specifically (laughs) remember one where he was like rolling to his right and Jason Levant was open in front of him for like a three yard gain, I think on third down and it was short of the sticks and they had to punt or whatever. And 
there was like Brent Selleck running wide open, same side of the field. So I don't know how he didn't see him. And it wasn't like a progression at this point because he had broken the pocket. And for whatever reason, he just didn't see him because I think that's, you know, a similar issue. And, you know, you could compare Nick Foles being a young quarterback at that time to Jalen Hurts being a young quarterback at that time. So maybe the vision is related to that. And maybe it's something you can prove on long term. But in this game, I would worry about, you know, something like that where, you know, there's this missed opportunity. And so anyway, I, I kind of just think Foles doesn't. Like, like, I don't want to hear, like, he left the field of the lead. Like, he could have done nothing more. No, he could have done something more. Like, he left plays yeah. on the field that put the Eagles in a position um, where they, you know, were at the end of the game and didn't have more control than they did. So that, those are the kind of things I worry about with him. If I had to, like, rank my confidence level in Jalen Hurts, I'm probably at, like, a 5, you know, if we're going 1 to 10. And then on Sirianni, maybe I'm, like, uh, like a 7 because I, I, I do think he's going to stick with the run, and I feel good about that. But one of the, the biggest things I'm concerned about with him, um, it's not having the team ready. I think that'll be good, too. It's about, like, he's only 14th, I believe, in aggressiveness. And I think in some – going back to, like, earlier in the season when he was kicking red zone field goals against the Chiefs, mm-hmm. like that's not going to cut it, Chief. Um, so <laughs> I, I, I need him to be more aggressive. There could be, like, a big spot. I don't want Nick Sirianni – for his sake, to be in a spot where I'm calling him like a coward, like Sean McVay, where there's a big fourth down opportunity and it's against Tom Brady and they're kicking a field goal instead of really being aggressive. And, and we've even seen that down the stretch, Jimmy, like the Washington game, was it when they punted from like the 41 or something? Right. Like, there's been some game or the Giants game. Like there's been some games the year down the stretch and maybe they were being conservative in those because they didn't really respect the other quarterback at all. But I would hope that's not the case here. So like, where would you say you're at at a confidence level uh, with both of those guys? Yeah. So like I look back at the Super Bowl heading into that game, I would have had Doug at like a ten or close to it. Yes, like I 100%. thought he was firing on all cylinders uh, heading into that game, and I had no doubt that he was going to, you know, call a good game. First of all, in terms of calling the game plan, game plan, and then also calling a good game, and then of course, I knew he was going to be aggressive like he was all season. Mm-hmm. I think I do worry about the points that you make about his aggressiveness. I think they have to make sure that they limit their regrets win or lose they can't look back at this game and have and have significant regrets like you know not going forward in, in a key situation or like you know the, the one th- a concern of mine heading into this game is are they gonna like sort of scheme up plays for Jalen Rager or for mm. Quez Watkins hopefully not <laughs> are you like because they did it all year and they want to get those guys involved but this is the playoffs get it to Devontae Get it to Dallas Goddard. Those are the guys you got to scheme plays for. And those guys alone, <laughs> you know, those get those guys to football. And then, you know, you complement that with the run game. You don't want to look back and go, oh, maybe we shouldn't have thrown four screens to Jalen Rager. <laughs> like, you know, you mm. can't have those regrets after this game is over. And I'm not totally sold that, you know, he they you know won't have those regrets at, after this game is over. So yeah, I probably have Nick somewhere around like a, a seven as well. And for Jalen hurts, I feel a little better about him maybe um, than I would have earlier in the year. Of course uh, I feel, you know, like he's going to at least take care of the football and make good decisions. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I think, you know, he might miss, he might miss a throw here and there. Um, I think if they're, the Buccaneers are shutting down the run game or, or at least containing it, then, they're going to need a performance like he had in the first half against the Broncos to win this game. And those have been, you know, a little few and far between obviously this year. Uh, but I do at, le- at a minimum, I trust him to take care of the football. So I'd have him somewhere around like a 6.5, I think. Okay. Nice little uh, half decimal in there. Uh, 
One thing you just said about Devante there, and you said this after the game uh, in the elevator on the Cowboys game. I know like the Cowboys game meaningless, but I think in one meaningful takeaway I did have and that you had is like, you can force feed Devontae Smith, yes. and you should. Like They were clearly doing it in that game to get him the record. How about yes. do it in a game where you're trying to win the football game? Like, get him a ton of touches and force feed him the ball. So I, I don't need to spend a ton of time on that because I, I say it pretty much, I think, every podcast this this year probably. Like, force feed the ball to Devontae Smith. You're not getting it to him enough. And I do think, you know, touching back on one of the previous questions about, you know, or maybe we're in the same one about what's different this time, uh, you know, having Dallas Goddard, I think that's a big deal, you know, yeah. because they, they didn't, right. he he didn't was play on the COVID the list. Yep. They had Ertz and, you know, obviously Ertz is a good player, but I think Goddard is very much a different dynamic. And mm-hmm. I'd rather have Dallas Goddard at this point, especially against this team, a guy who um, can kind of give Jalen Hurts uh, some more help in terms of, okay, uh, it's not like you have to throw every perfect pass and you're, you're not like with Ertz, you know, who isn't going to get you yards after the catch. Like Goddard mm-hmm. can make some plays on his own. He can break through some tackles and that can be really valuable. Um, moving to our fourth of five questions here, Jimmy. Shorter one. Do you buy the weather potentially having an impact in this game? Because there are uh, reports of rain. I think there's like something over a 70% chance early in the day down in uh, Tampa, Florida. Uh, I think I want to hear your answer on this because I think people might be thinking about this not totally correct. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be 20, 30 mile an hour winds, rain, as you said. I mean, the temperature is going to be fine. It's Tampa. So it's going to be like 60, 65, mm. somewhere around there. Um, yeah. So I think whenever you think bad weather, you go, okay, well, that benefits the run game. And sure. Okay. Like I agree there. However, I'm a little torn on whether this uh, benefits the Eagles or not. I actually think it benefits Tampa a little bit more than it benefits the Eagles because if you already kind of have a shaky passing game, any weather element that you add to that, um, I think makes you all the more one dimensional potentially. So if you're already a shaky passing game and you're going to make it even more difficult for those teams, that's not great. Whereas, you know, really good passing games, they're going to be able to be productive no matter what the weather, maybe not no matter what the weather, but in, you know, sort of, you know, I mean, these conditions aren't going to be awful. Like 20, 30 mile an hour wins is significant, of course, but, you know, Tom Brady's played, you know, his whole career in New England, played, has played a ton of games in, you know, bad weather. So he's certainly used to that. The one thing I will say that's in the Eagles' favor is that they're underdogs. Uh, uh, Brent mm-hmm. Cohen uh, on Twitter made this point that anytime you're an under, you're a heavy underdog and you add some kind of, um, you know, sort of variable to the mix, um, the favored team probably just doesn't want that variable to be there. They just want to be able to right. go out and beat them as they normally would. But if you add that at variable, you know, maybe there's uh, a ball that glances off a receiver that slips through a receiver's hands mm-hmm. and into a defensive back's hands, or there's a fumble uh, that, that the Eagles could recover. So in that sense, I actually do think uh, it's, it's beneficial to the Eagles. It's worth noting like the over under on this game. Once, you know, all these weather points were made, it went down, 0.5 points. So like mm-hmm. Vegas doesn't think it's going to be that big of a factor in this game based on that. But um, yeah, I think you could look at it, you know, either way in terms of it betting, benefiting one team or the other. Agree. Yeah. I don't, I think some people are like, well, this is going to benefit the Eagles a hundred percent because like it's going to be ugly <laughs> and, you know, they're just going to muck it up and run the ball. But like to your point, 
I mean, if it's really hard to pass the ball because it is rainy and windy, whatever, then I mean, the Bucks can really just sell out to stop the run and like only mm-hmm. care about that and then just <laughs> right. not have to worry about the pass at all. Uh, also, another thing I would say, though, that does potentially work uh, in the Eagles' favor is that Tom Brady had one of his worst games in the rain this season. And it was when mm-hmm. the Patriots played – or sorry, the Bucks played the Patriots in New England. And now, obviously, that was kind of like – you know, uh, a weird game too, from a standpoint of like, you know, I'm sure really a weird ha- mental headspace for Tom Brady going up mm-hmm. against, you know, his former team. So, you know, you kind of have won to that factor, game though, right? Uh, they did, but it was like really close and ugly. It was nice early in the season, right? Like week four or three or something like that. Week four. Good call okay. out by you. Yeah. But he only completed like 51% of his passes and he, he, zero touchdowns, zero interceptions. He mm-hmm. had a 70.8 passer rating. Um, he only had how many yards in that game? 269. So it was the second worst game this year in terms of passer rating. So I don't know. Maybe if you want to read into that at all and, and say, uh, you know, Tom Brady doesn't necessarily always play his best in the rain or at least anymore. Uh, that's something. The last thing I'll say though, too, against the Eagles going back on the other side is that one thing I've seen, I think like both coaches and players mention is that I think people will have the perception that rain doesn't necessarily help the passing game. But it can because where you have a receiver knowing exactly where they're going to go, you know, on a wet field, like, you know, he can run his route and be where he's supposed to be or he can change things. And, you know, the offense can adjust easier to that than the defense can because, you know, your defender and your footing isn't great. And then you're kind of losing control and you could fall down. So uh, I wouldn't just necessarily assume that, like, the like if you're assuming like rain equals great for running and the bad for like I just don't think that's necessarily right. Uh, so that's all I had on the weather. If you're an Eagles defender and a ball just happens to be laying on the ground, whether it be like incomplete pass or you know whatever, just pick it up, dive on it, give it, give it a little squeeze, see if it's uh, deflated a little bit, and uh, <laughs> you know make sure make sure these guys aren't aren't cheating either, as uh, Tom Brady has been known to do over his career. I I forget if I've told this story on the pod before, probably, but I asked at Super Bowl media night, every player, a lot of players in the Eagles roster, are you worried about the Patriots cheating? And a lot of people laughed <laughs> off that question. Um, but then it came out that week that Rick Lovato said that they absolutely held a fake walkthrough at the uh, U.S. Bank Stadium that week. Mm-hmm in preparation of the, the Patriots potentially like cheating off of that. Like they, mm-hmm. they ran a walkthrough with intentionally like fake plays and stuff they weren't even used or whatever, <laughs> just to like potentially have the, the pats thrown off. So, uh, you know, not the same situation here, but I think a very fair point by you to bring up Tom Brady is established as a cheater. Um, <laughs> last question, Jimmy, who was your yes. Eagles X factor in this game? I'm going to give you one on each side of the ball. So <clears throat> I mentioned this earlier about, um, you know, getting getting in the face of of Tom Brady um, in the pass rush, and I think obviously Fletcher Cox has not had his best season. If mm. he has been saving his best for one game, this is it, baby. This is the one to to make a big impact. And then offensively, we can't say Devontae Smith because, of course, he's their number one receiver. He's not an X factor. He's you know, as we said, we they should be force feeding, and we can't say that of Dallas Goddard. Obviously, we know the running game is going to be a big part of the game plan. But if you can get another, if you can get a good play, like a big play out of out of you know someone someone other than the uh, the usual suspects, I think it's Quez. I think maybe Quez can make mm. a big play either down the field or um, 
you know, can can take a short pass like he did in this last uh, Cowboys game <laughs> yeah. where, where he, he took a short pass and, and he took it to the house. He did it against Arizona uh, last year. He did it in the preseason game uh, against the Steelers earlier this year. If you can get him to make an explosive play, um, you know, that, that'd be a huge bonus for them, obviously. Or maybe a deep shot, you know, maybe, you know, again, yep. yeah, definitely be targeting uh, – Mr. Devontae Smith and Mr. Dallas Goddard the most, but you know, you can pick your spot maybe with a, a, a you know, shot down the field to Quez at one point. Uh, so I like that pick by you. Uh, I'm going to go totally on brand for me and totally like extremely unlikely. If we're talking about, you know, <laughs> there are odds on this. Jason Huntley, baby. He's called up from the <laughs> practice squad. I've been saying all year, why is this guy not the Eagles kick returner? He's the best kick returner. He plays his first game. I think it was his first kick return too with the Eagles this season. And it goes for what thirty three yards or whatever. Yeah, close it's like to the, the forty. Yeah, it's it was the second longest return the Eagles have had this season. So uh, that's funny. And it, it was interesting that they did you know bring him up from the practice squad. So I don't know, maybe Jason Huntley can make a big play. Uh, I'm just gonna throw that in there and look like a super genius if I'm right, and no one will really remember it if I'm wrong. So that's if, he, if he's inactive, if he if he doesn't even if he's not even dressed for game day. <laughs> He then I'll just claim that he really prepared the team this week if they win. Uh, you <laughs> okay. know, he really got them ready for the game. And then defensively, um, it is Fletcher Cox. I think that's the right answer. This could be Fletcher Cox's last game with the Eagles to me, right? Yeah, like, maybe it could be. Yep. So, and it would be really sad if he went out with like a whimper. The Eagles lose this game. They have a pretty bad day on defense, and he finishes the game with like no stats yeah. in the box score. Like that's that's not impossible to envision. Sadly, um, so. Though, I will say in his defense or in his favor, I think he's been playing some of his better football more recently and down the stretch. So let's see if he can really take advantage of it here. And uh, and, and be, he's the Eagles' highest paid player on the roster. I've said yep. it a lot. I'll say it again. Like, you need your star player to be a star in this game. And if he's just kind of – even if he's kind of eh, like that's not good enough. He needs to be a star player for the Eagles to win this game. So let's see if he can do it. All right, Jimmy, why don't we take another break right here. We'll get into okay. some of our non-Buccaneers preview stuff. Just Eagles related stuff that uh, we need to cover um, outside of this matchup. And then we'll get into our picks after that. But uh, before we go to break, I need to hear about Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors and RoachRealtors.com. 856-906-9295. I'll repeat that. 856-906-9295. Kristen Roach, Roach Realtors. Give her a call or a text if you're looking to buy or sell your house. Brandon. I feel like I need to call her one time during the podcast and see if she picks up <laughs> to see how responsive this is. She absolutely will pick. Actually, that's hold on. That is like the one thing that she is phenomenal. Like I've I've had like I've used realtors in the past or whatever, and I don't often like I I remember like not being able to get them on the phone sometimes. She mm. it's almost annoying from like my selfish personal perspective because right. she will answer the phone every freaking time it rings and it's annoying for mm -hmm. me <laughs> but like it's great for her clients because if you call yep. her she always answers she always answers the phone so yes if you want to test that out give her a call but don't waste her time though <laughs> yeah don't waste her time but if you know you need to do it and yeah. also if you want to annoy jimmy like you're listening to this podcast and you're like not a jimmy fan or whatever but you do need to buy sell or rent a house then definitely yeah. give her a call Back after this. Kristen Roach of Roach Real Tours, Roach Real Tours, Roach Real Tours. Kristen Roach of Roach Real Tours. She's the greatest. 
Back here on BGN Radio, Jimmy, we're in our third segment. It's time to talk about some of the non-Bucks stuff. That's actually how I have it labeled here in our, in yep. our write-up sheet. Um, so I think we should start with where the Eagles are picking in the 2022 NFL Draft. We know for sure that they will select at the 15th overall pick. They also select at the 16th overall pick. Those picks obviously coming from first the Miami Dolphins, who... One in week 18, and that was a little annoying because the pick could have been, what, as high as 10 or at least you know, mm-hmm. a little bit better uh, than it was. But whatever, you know, you'll take it at 15. That's, that's a pretty good outcome. I think it would have been where... 13th if they lost. Okay. So, you know, not the biggest deal, but and also still a good outcome from where, you know, uh, it was looking like they might sneak into the playoffs or, you know, it could be like even worse than it was. Mm-hmm. So you'll take that. Uh, obviously, you know, not as good as it was earlier in the year when we thought it was going to be top five pick right. top 10 pick and then but i think if you also you very much live with it too in the context of if it meant it doesn't work like this but if like if it meant the dolphins pick is going to be there but the colts pick is also not going to be in the playoffs because carson Wentz collapsed in epic fashion in week 18 and i caught it jimmy i said the jags are going to win this game outright and didn't remember me saying this on the pod last week i was like can't you envision the scenario where carson Wentz <laughs> chokes in week 18 and the Jags win this game. And sure enough, and I did, I was the only BGN writer in the, in the picks last week to, I'm really patting myself on the back here, but, <laughs> but the, the point isn't like, I'm right. I deserve credit. I'm smart. I'm wrong all the time. The point is like, this was not hard to envision. Like you could see like how this would happen because Carson Wentz has not always shown up in the biggest moments. And, uh, it's, it's a really epic collapse that it helped really the was. Yeah. I mean, for, I'll say like if you were a if you were to say before the season the Eagles will land um, you know the fifteenth sixteenth and it'll either be nineteenth or twenty third or whatever the the most likely scenario is that it'll be nineteenth if the Eagles lose to the Bucks anyway in, in this playoff game you'd sign up for that right like sure especially not knowing if the Colts pick would even be a first round pick at all I think everyone yeah. would sign up for fifteen sixteen and whatever the Eagles pick winds up being. Um, in fact, Eagles fans are hoping that it'll be lower than 19th, of course, at this point, because that means they'll have won a playoff game or two. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think uh, it worked out really nicely for the Eagles this year in terms of, you know, the, the three picks that they'll have in the 2022 NFL draft. But on your point on Wentz, man, it wasn't even this game. He blew the Raiders game the week before, too. It's two straight And that was games an indie, right? That, that was at they home for them. should have won. And they lost primarily because of him. Like there's the one play. There's one play in that game. I think they were up seventeen to thirteen. The Raiders game. They're they're up. They're up seventeen to thirteen. And it was either late in the third quarter or early fourth quarter. And he had T. Y. Hilton wide the hell open. Oh yeah, just wide open. And it would have probably been a touchdown if he connected with that. Missed him completely. Like wildly overthrew him. And uh, Raiders get the ball back. I, I don't remember exactly how the, the game went the rest of the way, but if he makes that throw, they almost certainly win that game. And then mm-hmm. in this Jags game, they just got nothing going the entirety of the game. And it was classic 2020 Eagles bad Wentz. Like it was, mm-hmm. it was to a T. He had that dumb shit play, excuse my language, where, you know, the, the play's done. It's over. Take the sack. 
Yes, he's going down. He tries to shovel it, and instead the ball gets knocked out of his hands. It result is a fumble. I think the Jags scored uh, on the ensuing possession. I don't know if it was a touchdown or field goal, but they did score points. And, um, you know, a really bad pick that he threw to the sideline. Uh, linebacker easily just stepped in front of that and, and picked it off. And, you know, all it took really was for the Jaguars to really load up and, and stop Jonathan Taylor. And they didn't even stop him, but they slowed him down. And they did, they did enough against Jonathan Taylor to put the game in Wentz's hands. And he came, like, he came up small. There's really no other way to say it. And in my opinion, they can't come back with him next year. Like, they Agreed. can't have him be their quarterback again next year because they have a really good roster. Hell, they have seven Pro Bowl players on that roster. They didn't make the playoffs. It's crazy. They can't waste that roster on another year of Wentz. They're good. And they're kind of screwed because. Obviously, they don't have their first round pick. So not only can you not take a quarterback in the first round, uh, but you also don't have that asset to trade uh, for, a, you know, a veteran quarterback. If you're making a trade for a veteran quarterback, I mean, you're really loading it up with, you know, future picks to to get that guy in there. So they're going to have to figure out something. But I can't see how they come back with Carson Wentz next year. If he cut him, I think it's like a $15 million uh, dead money hit. But you, they still save a significant amount of money like – 13 million, I think something like that. So it's not like as if they can't do it. Uh, but yeah, I mean the, the, the last two games for, for that Colts season and the, most of the Colts reporters, by the way, were saying like, this is the worst loss in the history of the franchise. Yeah. They can't go back to him. I don't, I don't see how he can be their starter again in 2022. You said two a T at one point in there, like T O space a space T. Yes. Or T E, whatever. Um, I was thinking Tua T is actually on the Dolphins. Um, he's their <laughs> yes. quarterback. So I was just waiting all that time to make this joke. Totally worth it, as always. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a terrible collapse. And again, it was not hard to envision it happening. And also in that Raiders game, I believe, he also had a touchdown in that game where like it should have been a pick. And it yes. was like like two Raiders defenders had a chance to pick it. And they both <laughs> they ran, ran into, into each other, each other. Yeah. <laughs> and missed it. And it like the ball plopped right into T.Y. Hilton's hands. So also, but but like to the point of that play and to a larger point, Carson Wentz has kind of been getting lucky like that this season. Like He should have thrown like three picks in that Patriots game mm-hmm. that they won. And he also... Like he has this twenty-seven to seven touchdown to interception ratio, but again, like there's fumbles in there too that aren't counting that you're accounting for. He's still fumbling all the time and in key spots, which is just it's never going to get fixed. Carson Wentz turns thirty next year. Like this is who he is. He's not going to like magically become better. And I bring this up not because like people are like, oh, why do you care about Carson Wentz? He's gone. Whatever. Well, it's like a lot of people last year were at, around this time last year, this very time, were like you have to bring Wentz back. And also, by the way, the Eagles wanted Carson Wentz back. So, mm-hmm. or at least, you know, I think they did to some extent, at least. So that's not great. Um, if that played out, but it didn't, whatever. A lot of people are like, you have to fix Carson Wentz. You have to fix Carson Wentz. It's not, it's not, it's not him. It's Doug. Doug is the problem. I think people, as I beat my drum about this all the time, it's not just always the coaches. Sometimes it's the players and like the players are broken and Carson Wentz. And this is why, again, to, if we're taking larger, larger points out of this, this is why, like, Jalen Hurts, a lot of the things I just said about him and, like, being confident in him in the playoffs, not crumbling and character and wanting to get better and being very coachable. This is why all this stuff is, like, not overblown and it does matter because Carson Wentz is not coachable. And it was never simple as getting him with Frank Reich, and that was going to magically fix everything. And we said this at the time last year, and I had confidence in this because 
he's not coachable. He doesn't think he needs to get better, at least in ways that other people do. Like he is maybe mm-hmm. his own ideas, but like he's very stubborn. And this is very much on the record. And by the way, like Joe Santeliquido, who we've had on BGN radio before, and he wrote, you know, that column originally, you know, that a lot of people ripped and obviously I think have come around on to, or at least to some extent, but I feel like some people still think it's like fake or whatever. What are you talking about? Like this guy is clearly selfish and stubborn and arrogant and everything and uncompromising. Like that, that is who this player is. And like if you want to, if you're even somehow a Carson Wentz fan and you want to blame this on like, you know, COVID impacting him, well, guess what? He didn't get vaccinated. So he put himself <laughs> in that spot yes. and very, un- very selfishly so. So I just don't think there's any way you can defend Carson Wentz. And I also don't think that, um, or I do think that some of the shine has worn off a bit on Frank Reich, who look, I don't even like, I'm not even trying to crush Frank Reich because I, I like him and I think he's a good coach, but this idea that always like gets out there and I see it a lot now with like other teams who are kind of get linked to Doug Peterson, who we'll talk about in a, mm. a minute here. They're like, well, it wasn't Doug. It was all Frank Reich. Like F off with that, man. Like you are just so misguided to think that like Frank Reich, like, somehow that has become canon in some, in some places <laughs> yes. where like it was all Frank Reich and Doug is just a big dope and Frank Reich deserves all the credit <laughs> and look at Carson. And that was going to be like a big story this year. The people who still believed in Carson Wentz, it was like Frank Reich is going to fix Carson Wentz. No, that was never it. And I think it was clear to see. Um, so that's just Frank Reich has never swept the Jags since becoming the Colts head coach. Like, this is, you know, the best coach. This is the mastermind, the genius mastermind. Well, Doug was a dope. Um, so yeah, didn't that's you say the they, thing. they hadn't uh, lost in Jackson or they hadn't won in Jacksonville since 2014? Uh, that's crazy. Jacksonville or London, you know, obviously yeah, they, I think yeah, they played yeah. some games there, there too. But yeah. Um, so I think that Carson Wentz, you know, falling apart at the end of this year really looked good for Doug because Doug yes. you know, was able to get the best out of Carson Wentz and Frank Reich did not. I mean, of course, Doug. that was pre-ACL tear and you know, mm-hmm. before he shredded his knee and that factors in heavily, obviously. But I mean, Doug got a lot of Doug got a lot out of Carson Wentz and, and Frank did not certainly this year. And I'm with you. Like, I think Frank is a good coach and he's a very good guy. Uh, but yeah, I'm with you and on the on your point that, you know, give Doug the credit that he deserves yeah. for the Super Bowl run that he had. And he deserves every bit of credit for, for uh, that run. And uh, stop trying to siphon it off and give it to somebody else. Uh, Shiel had a good note. Shiel Kapadia, a good friend, had a good note of that one time. I think he was at Colts training camp this summer. And I think he was either like interviewing Reich or like talking to him at one point. Like not necessarily just interview, just talking mm-hmm. and or overheard him. I forget the exact context, but Frank Reich said something to the effect of like, man, like Doug was on the heater on like that playoff run. Like Doug was like mm-hmm. awesome. Like he, and he didn't say that in a way that was like, I think, you know, trying to actually like puff up Doug and that in, like, and I think this is the context too. Doug was at training camp. Remember he visited Colts training camp back in the summer. Mm-hmm. Like, so Reich even said it at one point where like, you know, Doug was like awesome during that stretch. And obviously again, Reich did have value. I'm not trying to like say he sucks, but he's not like this, you know, he wasn't, oh man, the actual secret. I just don't know why people like to think that for some reason. Oh, Reich was the greatest and Doug, he was, he was overrated anyway. Um, so those are the Eagles draft picks. Um, why don't we move on to well, since we were talking about well, Doug? Why don't we, we touch Doug. on? Yeah. Where, yeah. Where, where do you think he's going to end up? I mean, he's got so a, he's got interview. Go ahead. Yeah. So we, reportedly, he has interviews or will interview with the Jaguars, who we actually did interview with the Bears. I think that's happening soon or now. Uh, the Vikings, which that would just be crushing for me, <laughs> and then the Broncos. Um, I kind of have issues with all of these spots, which you know, obviously that's 
natural because they're they're openings for a reason and they're yeah. not the best environments. Uh, but like I'm not I've never been the biggest Justin Fields guy. I think he still has theoretical upside, so mm-hmm. there's that. And I think you have some pieces there on defense that you can work with. Uh, that is not like the worst roster ever, although they don't have their first round pick. So that kind of stinks. Uh, I can't say I believe in Kirk Cousins at all. I've never been a Kirk Cousins guy, but that Vikings team might be able to, like, they might be the most ready to kind of win now. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, they have Justin Jefferson and they have some pieces too. Denver has some pieces, but I just don't know, like, what are they going to do at quarterback? There's no path, no clear path to one other than like, pray you get Aaron Rodgers, which yeah. that's not a real strategy to me. And then, I don't want to see him to go to the Jags because I think the Jags are such a mess that I don't think he's going to be set up to succeed there because Trent Baalke is entrenched there and the ownership. I just don't trust them at all. Uh, so I don't have a good answer to this question. I think I would hate to see him go to the, the, the Vikings probably the most just because of, you know, 38 seven and kind of, uh, can be a loser fan base and everything. I don't want to, it would be harder. It would be hardest for me, I think, to root for Doug if he was on the Vikings. So I don't want to see that to happen. What about you? So I think uh, I think one of his biggest strengths is bringing along, you know, young quarterbacks. And the two teams obviously here would be Jaguars and and Bears with Fields and Trevor Lawrence. In that sense, I think the Jaguars' job would be a good fit. But I'm with you that it's not an attractive landing spot based on recent history. Obviously. Um, I feel like the Vikings are, you know, probably the most attractive job, even though they don't <sighs> really have. And it, it'll be interesting to see what they do with Kirk Cousins. They're kind of, they, he's got one year left on his deal. If they trade him, they get off the hook, I think, completely on, yeah, uh, on his cap. Yeah, it's fully guaranteed. But yeah. he's got big time guarantees. I don't think none of it's fully guaranteed, but I think it's like a dead money hit of like $35 million if they cut him. Uh, so I don't think cutting him is an option. But if they're able to unload them on somebody, then I think they'd be happy to do that, maybe depending on who they hire as their GM. And we'll get to that in a second too. Yeah. <laughs> but uh but yeah, uh I don't know, man. The the Broncos I mean the, the Broncos have something. Like they have Javante Williams, the young running back who looks really good, and they have some pieces on defense. Um it's just the quarterback is really prohibitive for them to have success and and like you, like you're just hoping that they're gonna land a guy like Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson or something like that Deshaun. is, uh, is, you know, yeah, Deshaun Watson is, um, like you said, it's just more than, it's more of a hope than, than a plan. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think the Broncos and, and, and the Vikings are probably the two best spots for Doug, but also not the best spots for what he does best, not best, but mm. what he does well in, in terms of bringing along young quarterbacks. It's tough. I think maybe I would like to see him go to the Dolphins, and he has connections there, right? He used to play there, mm-hmm. and uh, um, and he lives in Florida. And I could see, I could see Doug, you know, doing well in Miami. And I'm not the biggest Tua guy, but I'd maybe be a little bit more willing to believe that. Um, and obviously, he got I don't better really as the year went along. He was bad early in yeah. the year, but he got better. There's hope uh, there. Yeah. There's there's hope and especially with Doug like if if Doug's there okay oh, okay I'll give Tua a shot now if mm-hmm. Doug's there maybe maybe that can help a little bit not to be sound hypocritical with the the Wentz and I'm not saying he's like totally fixing him but I will be a little bit more optimistic about him um, so there's that uh, but there hasn't been any connection so far between him and Miami so we'll see um, I I definitely think he's getting hired right like he's he's getting a lot of interest out there and I, like why I, like why would you not want to take a shot on Doug like like 
I think he's aged well, like you just said, with the you know Wentz kind of falling apart. Yeah. Regardless, like, I, I think Doug deserves another chance, uh, so I hope he gets it. Um, and I, you know, I would like him to be in the AFC because that makes him just so much more, you can just root for him so much more easier. Um, Broncos would be tough for him from a standpoint of like the division as well, like going up against Mahomes and Herbert and, you know, Carr has obviously been solid. So that would be tough. But, um, the Giants, I don't, oh man, (laughs) there's no way that would happen, right? It's not, he, if that's his only option. It's taking a you know one of thirty two head coaching jobs. You don't, I don't think you turn. I don't think you can turn it down. Oh, that'd be so tough. Oh man, <laughs> that would be horrible. That would be really bad. I like that's 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 tough. That's really I I don't don't speak that into existence. I don't even <laughs> I don't even want to think about that. Um, they oh, one, they should do so, it. Sorry, one thing on the Doug thing too, by the way. Um, and this is I'm just going to throw out some pure speculation here, but. Of course, we all remember Doug had a guy in his ear during games, like an analytics guy who would sort of coach him along throughout games on go for it on fourth down situations. And, and um, you know, that he would just basically talk to him throughout the entire game on, on strategies and, and, you know, potential, um, you know, downs and distances coming up. Here's what we're going to do if it's this. Here's what we're going to do if it's this. And that was Ryan Paganetti, who when Doug and his staff got fired, uh, Paganetti was one of the guys that was not – uh, retained along along with guys like Jeff Stoutland and whoever. So Paganetti uh, had had a Twitter account all year, and he would uh. give sort of Twitter analysis, uh, or he would give sort of analytics analysis um, during games throughout the season. His Twitter account's gone. Like it doesn't. Yeah. It's, he deleted his account. Okay. Which, like in my mind, I went, "Oh wow, Doug is close to a job because yeah. I assume anywhere Doug goes, he's going to bring Paganetti along with him because he's got a high comfort level with him." So when his, I saw like his Twitter account was gone. I was like, "Ooh, Doug's guy, Doug's Doug's close to a job." Or else he That's a great wouldn't call be out. deleting his, his, his Twitter account. So. That that has to hundred percent be the case. Like I don't <laughs> see any. I mean, it's it's likely the case. Uh, so let's say. Doug Peterson goes to Minnesota. Well, maybe he'll get hired there in part because they might be hiring a new general manager because Rick Spielman got fired, which is kind of funny, by the way, this whole, the fact that the Vikings who drafted, <laughs> yeah, or, or, or the Eagles who drafted Jalen Rager yeah, <laughs> over Justin Jefferson are uh, now going to the Eagles potentially for their next general manager. <laughs> yes. Vikings reportedly interviewing per Adam Schefter, uh, Catherine Rach, the Eagles vice president of football operations, which is the same title that Andrew Barry had in like less than a year with the team before mm-hmm. he returned to Cleveland as their general manager. And then Brandon Brown, who has done a good job with the Eagles uh, pro scouting side of things. You had written that really good story about Travis Fulgham uh, in the past back when you know he was looking like a hit for the Eagles and he was ultimately for what they got him for mm-hmm. you know he was a success for a guy you claimed off of waivers and expected nothing sure. from um didn't you know pan out as a long-term piece but still a good find by the Eagles pro scouting department and he was their Brandon Brown was the Eagles director of pro scouting before being promoted uh this year to a role that still oversees that but also crosses over into some of the college scouting as well along with Ian Cunningham and the Eagles front office so uh interesting wrinkle to all this obviously is is, has been highlighted um, by both of us is that if the vikings hire now do you know for sure that it's only brandon brown if they hire that the eagles will get two uh 
third round picks or is it also yeah. rates? Cause I saw within this resolution, what's, what's it called again? It's like the 2020, um, resolution JC hyphen 2A. That's the name of the policy. Uh, that it says in here, Jimmy, whereas the member clubs believe that it is appropriate to take additional steps to enhance opportunities for employment and advancement of minorities and women in key positions, including leadership roles in coaching personnel and football operations. Um, yeah, so that, so, you, are you reading that off of uh, over the cap? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it says women there. It does not okay. say women other places. Hmm. Okay. So uh, with Brown, Brown's uh, an African-American. So if he got hired to be a general manager somewhere else, he would definitely, the Eagles would get a pair of third round picks for him getting hired somewhere else. If it's Raish, uh, I don't know. <laughs> like I actually had a, I, I asked the Eagles about it. And they didn't know. <laughs> they didn't know either. Mm. Or at least the person I asked didn't know. Um, so they they said, ask the NFL. I asked the NFL. Let me see, actually, actually see if they replied yet. They have not. Okay. So Always good when, like, the team isn't <laughs> clear on this, too. <laughs> right. Not not, And that's not a shot at the Eagles, to be clear. Just, like, it yeah. should be laid out more clearly. <laughs> yes. By the and there's only one person with the Eagles, too. Like, they, the Eagles, as sure. an organization, may very well know. Yeah. But this person did not. Right. So, but um, the point I'm trying to make is it should just be more clear. Like, <laughs> yes. it doesn't need to be ambiguous. Yeah. So, yeah. If, if, if I, But I think my sense is that uh, either will count. So if either of those, if, if either Raish or Brown get hired as the Vikings general manager, uh, the Eagles will get a pair of third-round picks. And one of them would be in 2022, and one of them would be in 2023. It actually happened – uh, there were five uh, uh, minority hires to either head coaching or uh, GM jobs last year. Um, uh, the two coaches were David Culley and um, um, Robert, Sala. Robert Sala. And then the three GMs were Fontenot, who went from the Saints to the Falcons. Um, I forget the guy's name that went from the, Brad, the uh, Rams guy. Yeah, Rams to the Lions. And then somebody went from the Niners to I don't remember, but anyway, those four, four, three of those teams got two third round picks. The Niners actually lost uh, a, a, a someone that became a head coach, and they lost somebody that became a general manager. So they got three picks. They didn't get the mm-hmm. full four picks, but they get they got picks in twenty twenty one, twenty twenty two, and twenty twenty three. So anyway, the Eagles can benefit by uh, the, the the idea of the program is to you know hire, give more opportunities to um, um, minorities in lower level positions and build them up so that they can, you know, get high level positions at some point. Uh, it's a good program and uh, the Eagles stand to benefit from that. If either of these, I think if either of, of Ray or Brown get hired by the Vikings or somebody else. And uh, to the Eagles credit, um, I've kind of laughed at this point before in terms of, like last year around this time, while we're all feeling not great about Howard Roseman and everything, <laughs> yes. Jeffrey Lurie is like, well, we're actually good because Andrew Barry got hired by the Browns. And again, <laughs> that, that is kind of silly because he was mostly with the Browns and he was only with the Eagles for literally less than 365 days. Yes. And then Joe Douglas got hired by the Jets and hasn't even been doing like necessarily great with the Jets. I'm not sure that's all of his fault. But anyway, um, but at the very least, whether you want to like, you know, buy into that or whatever, whatever you want to make of it, the NFL clearly values people in the Eagles front office, um, which seems to be like a good sign. And obviously with the Eagles having a turnaround this year, I'm sure, you know, more so being coveted. Um, so, uh, you know, good for the Eagles and 
obviously, if they had their druthers, they would prefer, I think, in a perfect world, not to lose the candidates because they value them. But if you're going to lose them, then it would be nice to lose them in a way where at least you get some compensation along the way. And I don't know if you said this, but the third round picks will be after the compensatory picks. So they will be the very yeah. lowest possible picks of the third round. But still, like, still the day two picks. picks. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, yeah exactly. And you get two of them. Yeah. So like, and you can trade them. So, you know, it's, it's more assets that you have to either draft or, or whatever. So it's basically what they got for Nick Foles leaving in free agency. More than that. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's right, right, right. Yeah. Right. But it's two of them. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. So it's, you know, so we'll, so we'll keep an eye on that. And then obviously, again, I think worth noting that if the Vikings, we'll see what order they do hire their head coach and their GM, but if they do hire the GM first, I mean, you would think that that might be a good sign for Doug there or Gannon because Jonathan Gannon obviously was there before. And also, you know, those were both Rach and Brandon Brown have now been with Gannon for a season. So Mm -hmm. I would, you know, something to keep an eye on. Uh, I don't don't think Gannon's going to go there. We haven't seen that rumored yet, but and I don't think he's going to get a job at all, especially depending on how this weekend goes. Too early. uh, Yeah, too early. Yeah. But I mean, and he's, you know, it's fine. He's getting interviews. Um, Last thing we have here in the segment, Jimmy, is the Eagles. 22 opponents are known thanks to the NFL's formulaic schedule. And uh, why don't I just read those really quick? Um, Obviously, I'm not going to read the division games because you know all those. The non-division games at home, the Packers, the Vikings, the Jaguars, the Titans, the Steelers, the Saints, and then the away games, the Bears, the Lions, the Colts, the Texans, the Cardinals, and that is it. Yeah, so the two divisions that the, the full divisions that they play are two bad divisions in the NFC North, um, where you have the Packers and then the rest of the teams suck, and then you have the AFC South where the Titans are. They're the ones. They're, that's like one of the weakest one seeds <laughs> like ever in the NFL. In my oh, we'll opinion. see if they and get Derrick we'll Henry see, back though, and we'll see what the Colts are next year. But certainly the Jaguars and the Texans are very weak teams, and then the three floating games. Um, because the Eagles finished second in the division, uh, as you mentioned, the Saints and Steelers at home and the Cardinals on the road. So, yeah, not a very good travel schedule next year, selfishly. Selfishly you're looking for at you. Detroit. No one cares. Houston. <laughs> Indianapolis. <laughs> Chicago's okay. And Arizona's certainly That was a great good. city. It's not okay. Yeah. Chicago, I will I will stand for Chicago. I think it is okay. a, a great city. Um, in that regard, I would hope Doug goes there because it's a great city. But speaking of Doug, I mean, Bears, Vikings, Jags on this list could potentially be in one of those spots next year. Uh, we'll see what happens with Aaron Rodgers. That'll be interesting because if he stays in Green Bay, then well, they'll have to face him and that'll be pretty tough, presumably. Mm -hmm. Um, Titans, revenge of Jim Schwartz. If he's still with the Titans staff, we'll see. Mm -hmm. Um, Steelers, like, I don't know who their quarterback is going to be, and it might not matter because they just don't have losing seasons, and they are not a team that is ever, like, a walkover or a pushover with Mike Tomlin. Yes. So uh, maybe they get Kenny Pickett and keep him in Pittsburgh. We'll see. The Saints, I think this is the fifth, I think, straight year the Eagles are playing the Saints. They just – they always play the Saints. Yeah. Um, we'll see what they do at quarterback. That'll be interesting. And, uh, yeah, I think that's about it in terms of games that have real juice on the schedule. Zach Ertz potentially coming back to Philly if he stays in Arizona. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Uh, or, no, that game will be no, in that'll Arizona. No, that will be on the road, yeah. But, yeah, but playing his old team. Uh, so that's all there is for the opponents. Uh, why don't we take a break here, Jimmy, 
And then we'll get into our NFC picks in the playoffs, including the Eagles versus Buccaneers matchup, which everyone has been waiting for with bated breath. Back after this. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Back here for our final segment on this marathon BGN radio episode to preview the Eagles Bucks game. In addition to talking about other stuff as we record here on Thursday, January 13th at 1212 is on my clock right now. Jimmy, we're going to get into our NFL picks against the spread brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. Use promo code SBN NFL for a special offer courtesy of the SB Nation NFL show, which you should be listening to, by the way, gentle listeners, if you are enjoying BGN radio, because I'm on there on Tuesdays, we rank the playoff teams this week. Where would you put the Eagles really quickly, Jimmy, out of all the playoff teams, the 14 playoff teams, where would you think they rank like position wise? I have them ahead of the Steelers and that might be it. Okay. 13. I think I had them. I think I had him 12th. I think I had him ahead of the Raiders, too, because I don't fully Oh, uh, Yeah, you know them. what? That's a good argument. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would have him ahead of the Raiders, too. Okay. So, there you go. You can listen to the full episode. I think Stats had him last. Come on, Stats. No respect. Um, the, the, the Eagles are better than the Steelers. Come on. <laughs> I mean, like I, the Steelers are not a pushover, again, even with Ben Roethlisberger at quarterback. But, like, Steelers helped it's the still Eagles him. this weekend, by the way. They did. They knocked the Colts out of the Once playoffs Once the Colts officially. lost... Then the it was going to be dicey. Actually, if the Steelers hadn't won, Colts would have made the playoffs anyway, right? Uh, yeah, yes, because how everything because the shook out won. with the Raiders winning. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah. Uh, okay. We have three games to pick here. I don't think we need to spend too much time on the first one. Cardinals are at the Rams. The Rams are three and a half point favorites. I'll take the Rams here. I know both of these teams have not kind of been trending the best, at least yeah. in terms of Matthew Stafford. I think he's eight touchdowns, eight interceptions in his last three or four games here. Uh, not great. And Sean McVay is a coward. But as you astutely noted, Jimmy, the Cardinals are the only team in the AFC NFC playoff picture that has gone one and four in their final five games while all yes. the others have gone four and one. So the Cardinals are trending in a bad way. They just lost to the Seahawks when they had a chance to win the NFC West yes. and they're at home. Cliff Kingsbury has made a habit of choking down the stretch. Mm-hmm. I think the Rams are the easy pick here. I agree. The Rams are the easy pick. Matthew Stafford, 0-3 in his three playoff appearances. Uh, Kyler Murray has not yet been to the playoffs and neophyte quarterbacks, as in quarterbacks playing their first NFL games, uh, for all, so there there are thirty active quarterbacks in the NFL that have played at least one playoff. They have started at least one playoff game, and those guys are eleven and nine in their first playoff game. So uh, I don't think that's like just trivia to me. I think there's something to that where you kind of got to get your feet wet, and then you have a better chance of winning playoff games as your career goes along. And uh, yeah, I have the Rams beating Kyler Murray and and the Cardinals in this game. I'm surprised the, you have the line here is uh, three and a half. Uh, I will mm-hmm. easily, I will gladly lay the three and a half on that game too. Uh, 49ers at the Dallas Cowboys. The Cowboys are three point favorites. Mm-hmm. I want you to go first on this one, Jimmy. 
this is a tough matchup for the Cowboys. And it, the line kind of says that these two teams are, are even with the Cowboys being home and, and only given three points. And uh, what the 49ers do best. Like, I, I think that, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo is not an ideal quarterback, obviously. He might be, if you were to rank quarterbacks in the playoffs right now, he'd be near the bottom. He might be last. I'd have to take a closer look. But uh, Under Big Ben? I, I think I'd rather have him than Big Ben right now. It's close. But, yeah, I'd probably take him over Big Ben, too. Um, but what they do so well is they get yards after the catch with Debo, with Brandon Ayuk, with uh, George Kittle. Those guys are all yak monsters. And that's one thing that the Cowboys struggle with is getting guys on the ground after they catch the pass. So it's a bad matchup for them in that respect. And I think the 49ers will be able to run the ball a little bit on them. 49ers are, are, you know, they've been banged up for most of the year. They're pretty healthy right now. Cowboys are too. Cowboys have, have actually gotten incredible injury luck throughout the entirety of the season. But I think this is a tough, tough matchup for the Cowboys. I have them as a very quick out this year. 49ers advance with a win oh. for the Cowboys. I didn't love the energy I saw. I thought it was a big loser energy from the Cowboys last week in Philly okay. where they're playing the Eagles practice squad and they're <laughs> celebrating like they won the NFC championship right. game or even just made it to the NFC championship game, which they haven't done since 1995. Uh, that was just weird to me. Maybe I'm make, making too much of that, but it just, it felt strange. And, uh, so I didn't love that. And I think the Cowboys have what it takes to go the distance in terms of, like they, they've demonstrated a defense that plays at a high level. Their offense hasn't been consistent enough, especially down the stretch that I think you feel amazing about. You know, they did good against the Eagles backups, but it wasn't even just the Eagles backups. It was like players, practice, it was squad. Practice, practice squad. And not only practice squad guys who like been around the league, like practice squad, like Kerry <laughs> Vincent Rookies. Jr. Like playing yeah. his first game. Second, yeah. Take down. Guys. Yeah. But guys were like playing their first NFL starts. Yes. Like, yeah. So, uh, I mean, they did score 50. <laughs> they did, but like part of that too was there's some turnovers by the Eagles in there. <laughs> yeah, um, the really bad punt by Aaron Sipos. I'm underrated concern by the way going yeah, into this two, game. Two bad punts actually. Two bad shanks. And also, I looked at his splits in terms of like since December started. So basically, since it got cold, his numbers have been pretty bad. Yeah, I think cold weather now. You know, going down to Tampa might be fine. And whatever. I don't need to get into a whole punter thing here. But I just, you know, it's like an underrated thing. If you're looking for like a really deep cut, mm -hmm. even more than. uh Jason Huntley, X Factor. Like, I don't know, like a bad, a really bad Aaron Sipos punt could, like, you know, be a big deal. All right. Anyway, it's a factor in the Super Bowl, dude. Like, the Chiefs punter sure. was terrible in the Super Bowl and that he affected yeah. that game and the Buccaneers benefited from it. So I don't think it's that crazy to, to point it out. Um, so uh, this is tough. I took the, I think I took the 49ers on the NFC's mixtape. I like them with the points, especially if this was three and a half 49ers, it'd be like a no brainer to me because I think it's going to come down to like a field goal. Especially with all the Greg Zerline stuff that I was talking about with RJ and RJ has been like ripping on him a lot. Um, so it's like only natural that it would come down to him either win or lose in some capacity. I don't want to go the same pick as you though. So I'm going to take the Cowboys. Okay. Um, I do think the 49ers are tough. It's going to be, I think it's going to be a really close game. And for all of his faults, Jimmy G, I thought did, did do some really good things in the second half to get the 40 and in overtime to get the 49ers into the playoffs. And he obviously like was on the team when they went to the Super Bowl and had a lead in the Super Bowl. So for all of his faults, like, you know, he can do some things good. Um, he's not like a total liability. You know, he's not like Jake Fromm, you know, out there. He gives you yeah. somewhat of a chance at some level will ultimately be a liability, but, um, 
like they can beat the 49ers can beat the Cowboys. I, I know they can do that. It's not like they're incapable of doing that. Um, I will take the Cowboys to cover, uh, just to jinx them maybe. And, and I took them to win the Super Bowl. So I think I kind of just have to stick with that and then see how that plays out, uh, as opposed to waffling on it. So I'm going opposite on you. Okay. That brings us to the Eagles Bucks game, Jimmy, the moment everyone has been waiting for. Naturally, before I get into it, I will say that. I am 51 and 42 against the spread this year. You are 46 and 47, just below 500. And then in our Eagles straight up picks, I am 13 and four. You are 12 and five. So just from the picks here, the, the date, the history would show that my pick is more valuable. Just let, let the record be known <laughs> if you're looking for, you know, the expert prediction. Uh, but so you, all jokes you go aside. first on this one. Okay. You want me to go first then? Yeah. <sighs> all right. I. You know me, Jimmy. You know me, listeners. What do I always say? It's about the vibes. It's about the feel. That that really matters to me. And I don't have an amazing feel of who is going to win this game. I don't have this like really amazing, great feel of, of who the winner is going to be. I've gone back and forth on it all week. I've been on different shows, Flex and the NFC Mixtape or <laughs> SB Nation NFL show, or I did a guest spot with the Philly Press Box guys last night. I keep, or I did, uh, you know, radio hit with Jody on WIP this week. I, I, I go back and forth whenever someone asks me. The one thing I do feel really good about, and I kind of talked about this earlier in the show, I feel like it's a lock that the Eagles are going to cover. Eight and a half, they're going to cover. They're absolutely going to cover. They're not going down without a fight. I think this idea that the Bucks are just going to blow them out is giving the Bucks a little too much credit and the Eagles not enough. And I also, also just think of, stylistically how the Eagles are going to be looking to play and potentially shortening the game with the run and everything. I just, and and how Jalen Hurts doesn't turn the ball over. Like, I don't think the game is going to get out of hand. I think the Eagles for as much as they have questions to answer against better teams. And obviously, especially so with the defense and being able to stop them. And I do worry about that. I think they're going to make it a competitive game. I really do. So, and maybe it's even a situation where Jalen Hurts leads the, the, the field with the lead. Did I say that right? It leaves the field with the lead. I did. Um, so I'm going to take the points, definitely. Now, do the Eagles win the game? <sighs> it's really tough. Uh, as of right now, I'm going to say that they do. I'm going to say that. No, I, I, don't, I don't fully believe. This is tough. Uh, <laughs> I kind of almost just want to go opposite of you because then if you pick the Bucks. <laughs> Uh, then you're a hater, and I can pick the Eagles and be the good guy. Yeah, and then if I do the opposite, then I'm the bad guy. Um, uh, I think it's tough. I think it's tough to envision. I guess after the year after the the Patriots, uh, I keep saying the Patriots. It's in my brain. The year after the Bucks win the Super Bowl with Tom Brady, that they don't even get past the first round. I guess I'm having a hard time envisioning that being mm-hmm. the case. So, I think it's a game, and because of that, again, I think the Eagles can win. I don't think it's a, a foregone conclusion that they're going to lose, but I will take them to lose this game, but they will cover. What about you? So really quick before I make my Eagles Bucks pick. Wait, who did you take? Who did, you're taking that? I pick, I'm taking the points, but the Eagles will lose. Okay, so you're taking the Bucks. All right, real quick. <laughs> I think it's worth mentioning real quick. Chris Ballard on Carson Wentz. <laughs> this is like all over Twitter right now. Oh, baby. Uh, my my take earlier that Carson Wentz is uh they can't bring him back next year. Well, that's aging very well because mm. Chris Ballard just said on Carson Wentz. Uh, this is by Zach Kiefer, I believe, of the Athletic. Uh, yes, Eagles, or excuse me, uh, indie beat writer. At the time of the trade, 
We felt it was the right decision. I'm not going to make a comment on who is going to be here next year and who isn't. I thought Carson did some good things, and I thought there are some things he needs to do a lot better. <laughs> wow. wow. That is as uh, cold a uh, <laughs> like a layup. I guess he just got asked about him. And like, you know, you know, normally you just, you know, go, oh, yeah, he did some good things. Even if you don't want to. He's basically like, he's not coming back. <laughs> not great. Yeah. All right. Uh, uh, Eagles, Bucks. Um, so AB out, Godwin out. Doesn't matter. They're going to adjust and uh, and they're going to be fine. That Buccaneers offense, they're going to figure out a way to move the ball and score because they have Tom Brady, the best quarterback in the history of the NFL. And defensively, as I noted earlier, they have enough pieces uh, to to make like difficult for for Jalen Hurts and, and the Eagles offense if they can at least slow down the Eagles rushing attack, then they're going to, I mean, the Eagles are going to have to put, basically put the game on Jalen Hurts' shoulders uh, for them to win this game. And that is something that they didn't have success with uh, early in the season, particularly against the, you know, better opponents that they faced uh, early in the season. So I don't like the Eagles chances of winning this game. And I would normally not pick them to win, but because I have to catch you officially, I am taking the Eagles to beat the Buccaneers. <laughs> what a coward! What a coward! <laughs> not a coward, but like what a what a uh, just like insincere, not genuine at all pick. So let the record show that Jimmy. I think I believe in the Eagles winning this game more than you do, but somehow you're picking them, and I am not. That's right. Um, really good stuff here. Gotta do oh, it. Oh, by I mean, the way, I mean, if I want to win, or not, I want to win, you don't tie. I'm at least going to salvage a tie. I have no choice. I, yeah, that's fair. I respect birds. it uh, for a game that doesn't matter at all. Like no, there's no stakes at all to the, the winning right. or losing. We really should put some stakes to those in the future. We, we, maybe we'll come up with that in the off season. We'll talk to the listeners about that. Um, any closing thoughts, Jimmy? Uh, hmm. Closing thoughts. Well, I'm headed to Tampa a day early. Normally, I'd get in there on Saturday and I'd leave Monday. I'm going to head down there with my daughter on Friday. And we're wow. going to Disney. You gonna surf? Gonna go Disney World, baby. Oh. On, all day on Saturday. So I'm wow. very, very much looking forward to that. I've never taken her on the road with me to a football. I can't, obviously, because she's nine. And I can't, right. I can't be like, all right, <laughs> you stay in the hotel room all day while daddy goes and covers this game for 12 <laughs> hours. Uh, so my mom is actually coming with us, too. It's me, my mom, and my nice. daughter. We're going to go down to Tampa. And uh, Orlando is like an hour and fifteen minute drive away from from Tampa. So uh, yeah, we're gonna go check out Disney World. Me and the me and my daughter for a full day, and then she'll hang out with my mom while I'm at the game. Looking forward to that. Underrated uh, X factor in this scenario is the vibes. You got some positive vibes going there. I'm wearing a hat that literally mm-hmm. says "positive vibes" on it for the people who can't see that, which is everyone. Um, and I think the Eagles have some of that as a whole, like uh, this whole, oh, we gave Steven Nelson extra money because he just missed an incentive. And I don't know, just some of the things going around in the Eagles, it feels like they have, and the Carson Wentz collapsing, it feels like there's some positive energy, you know, in the Eagles way. It's not like one of those scenarios where like we use the beginning of last season, for example, where like there was the Ertz contract thing and like uh, Dillard getting hurt. There's all this like weird, bad yeah. vibe, juju kind of stuff going on. Like it was like, eh. Uh, so maybe that's another point in their favor. Um, you just don't have a ton of final thoughts. Uh, other, oh, I, I did want to ask you what's like, what's your favorite Disney kind of thing? If not necessarily a movie, like what kind of, like, or a movie or like, you know, is it 
do you have a certain part of Disney that you like the most or are looking forward to, or like a certain park there that you're looking forward to maybe seeing like Epcot yeah, or okay. I don't know. Well, something. I went to Epcot with a couple of friends. I, my, I have a friend that lives in winter park, which is right near Orlando. We friend from college, a couple of my college friends visited him and we went to, you can do like, it's called drinking around the world at Epcot where like you go to each country okay. and you, you can eat and drink there, but we got a beer at every country and we were, just flat out loaded at the end of this thing. <laughs> so, so that was fun. Please drink responsibly. <laughs> 21 plus. All disclaimers apply here. I won't be doing that with my daughter uh, when we <laughs> when we go. We're going to Magic Kingdom. And I was actually looking at some of the rides that they have there. Um, a lot of thrill rides at, uh, at Magic Kingdom. I don't know if uh, that's consistent throughout uh, all their parks. But I'm looking forward to Splash Mountain. I'm a big log flume guy. How about you? Okay. I like a log flume. I don't love getting wet, though. Unless, you don't want to be walking uh, around all wet all day, yeah. Yeah, you have to have a game plan. You can't. I don't love just like being yeah. soaked and then the, being like wet for the rest. You have to have like you gotta have towels or you gotta have some kind of game plan for it if you're gonna. Yeah, do that. I do. But the actual experience of the log flume, big fan. And then there's some, and there's sure. some, uh, some other. It's called mountain something or other. You know, smaller roller coaster. <laughs> That looks good fun. description. Uh, so I'm looking forward to those. Hopefully I can. It's not no, space. Well, I'll, I'm looking forward to that too. I don't know if I'll be able to convince my daughter to go on that, but we'll see. Um, Space Mountain terrifying as someone who's <laughs> tall and like you're just seeing all these like like things above your head that it feels like your like head's gonna get <laughs> yeah. chopped off because it, like you can't really perceive the distance going so fast. Uh, that's one problem. That's like probably the biggest issue I have with roller coasters is, and honestly, a big part of why I don't want to put my hands up sometimes. Like <laughs> I, I maybe know logically like my hands aren't going to be able to hit, but I don't even want to chance it. Cause like it feels really, <laughs> right. it feels like already my head is coming too close to those things. So uh yeah, like not, not the actual drop or anything. It's just like that weird. And there's feeling. no way that you so, can get on a roller coaster uh, and go like, okay, well this roller coaster operator would tell me if I, my head was going to hit some bar or something. Well, right. <laughs> Cause you know, I don't want to, you know, demean the, uh, carnival the carnival wow, worker Jimmy. but <laughs> first it was the, the the guy giving people napkins in the bathroom and now it's the people working that's at amusement parks jimmy hates right. the working class that's is right. the big takeaway uh, here but yeah I, I i just i'm saying i i wouldn't place all my trust in in that uh in that you know ma'am or gentleman well even in the park itself yeah anything yeah i just don't i don't love the yeah the concept of that uh i guess i don't have a great final thought but we're running, running long so it doesn't doesn't matter a whole lot. Um, trying to think anything food wise, probably not. Can't come up with anything great off the top of my head. But hey, we got at least one Eagles playoff podcast. It'd be nice to get yeah. some more. That'd be really cool. Appreciate that. If not, we will be here either way. And if not, it was still a pretty fun season. I think regardless, I guess. So that was my final question to you. Sorry. Like, is the season regarded? The exact question I wrote down, if the Eagles get blown out, mm -hmm. does that impact how the season is viewed at all? So I think you can look at that one of two ways. One, as the team as a whole, and the other is uh, specific to Jalen Hurts. And I think that while you look at the full body of work of the team and of Hurts on the season, certainly the last game is going to leave the biggest impression on you know, it's the last impression yes. that you have of the season. So that's going to be, it's going to weigh in heavily in the minds of the fans anyway, and, and the media, I don't know if it'll weigh in heavily as heavily with 
personnel people on the, on the team. I imagine they will there too. Uh, so it is an important game, obviously. And um, more likely than not, the last impression is going to be a loss. It's somewhere along the line. Um, but, you know, this, this uh, like you said, this is a winnable game. They can win this game. Uh, just really looking forward to heading down there and checking it out. But, uh, yeah, certainly I think that uh, this this game, any, any playoff game really is, is going to factor in heavily to how we sort of perceive the season. I mean, look at Carson Wentz, where, like, he, mm-hmm. he they, they won all the games. They won four straight games to get into the playoffs, and then – Boom. Twelfth snap, ninth snap of the game, I think it was, concussed, gone. And it was, yep. you know, all all the good feelings about him were sort of not gone, but tempered uh throughout the rest of that offseason. And we saw what happened in 2020. So yeah, it's it's uh these playoff games, they matter a lot. And uh you can make a star of yourself if you play well, and you can squander opportunities if you don't. I do think that is a key point on this. It is a lasting impression. And if the Eagles get blown out, then the story is going to be, well, they had this nice turnaround, but they couldn't beat any good teams this year. And then they got blown out by the last one that they played. Yeah. So it's like how much of this season was truly about them turning around as much as it was just taking advantage yep. of bad teams. And like, can they actually be a really good team moving forward? And obviously so draft picks and stuff. And I'm not saying that's necessarily my opinion. I'm saying that'll be, I think the prevailing overwhelming kind of take on it. And then same thing with Jalen hurts, like, in a negative way, if he goes out and he does throw three picks in this game, well, some people will be like, okay, he's young. He's still getting better. He made some strides, but a lot of people are going to be like, he's not the guy. <laughs> like, and then we have to, even if we bring him back next year, we have to very much be ready to pivot somehow uh, if he further proves he's not the guy next year. So I definitely think that a blowout loss to answer my own question that I posed would be that <laughs> of a significant lasting impression. But I mean, I still think as a whole, as we talked about a couple of weeks ago, the season is a success and especially not only because of what happened in it, like the wins and losses, but because of the draft picks mm-hmm. they have moving forward. And to the, it's a big off season, huge off season, huge, huge off season where they have to get a lot of things right. And they have to, you know, make some key decisions. Um, so, but we can get all to that when that gets here for now, this has been the Eagles versus Bucks playoff preview. I think it might be our, it might want to be our longest BGN radio podcast for, ever. At if least not, us, it's up there. The two of us. Yeah, I think it is. Yeah. But a lot of good talk, in my opinion. So uh, good discussion. Hopefully you had fun along the way. Please rate, review, subscribe if you like the show. You can do those things to help further support it. Uh, leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. You can leave only a rating, I think, right now. But we'll see eventually if Spot, excuse me, Spotify allows those reviews. Um, so leave a rating, five stars. Also, check out the SB Nation NFL show. As I said, you can rate, review, subscribe to that for continued playoff coverage, whether the Eagles are in it or not. You'll want to be st- uh, staying tuned to that. A lot of good content there every day of the week. You can also check out the other shows on this feed. Obviously, we have a ton of them with the playoffs here, so definitely check those out if you haven't already. You can check out Righteous Felon Craft Jerky by going to RighteousFelon.com using discount code BGN15 for 15% off your order to get good snacks for you and to help support the podcast and keep the lights on here. Same discount code BGN15 at WildNaturePet.com for 15% off dog treats if you don't need snacks for yourself. So go do that. You can call or text Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors by calling this phone number. We're going to roachrealtors.com if you're looking to buy, sell, or rent a house. Um, so, or be connected, you know, with a realtor in a different state, whatever. If you need some real estate, you know, if you're in that realm, just give her a call. 
or text or reach out. Um, follow me on Twitter at Brandon Gowden, Jimmy Kemsky on Twitter at Jimmy Kemsky. BGN underscore radio is the place to follow us on Twitter for the podcast feed at Bleeding Green for the blog feed. I'm also on Instagram at Brandon Gowden. Really important. Jimmy Kemsky can be read at phillyvoice.com. I can be read at bleedinggreennation.com. Let's hope for an Eagles win for the sake, at the very least, you know, object, objectivity, whatever. For the sake of content, Jimmy, the Eagles must go on. The content must go on. We got to be big J so, journalists. We I'm can't actually for root win. for it to happen. But yes, uh, yeah, I want I'm, them to win because I want to. I want to keep the very least, going for a little while longer. <laughs> we can root for ourselves. I can root for myself, and I want to keep writing about the Eagles playing. So I, for that, under that, at the very least, if not more. Uh, I will root for that. So, all right. We'll talk to you all next week. Goodbye, everybody. P-G-N. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts.